the Sage Tech Buzz, entertainment industry news and discussions that put you, the listener, front and center to it all. Each week we will focus on a topic that helps to better inform and educate our listening audience as to some of the thought processes, stagecraft fundamentals, and workplace safety items to keep in mind, so you can effectively execute and deliver each and every day. And now, here is your host, David Sage. Hello and welcome everyone to the first episode of the Sage Tech Buzz podcast. I'm David Sage. And I'm Tim Sage. And we appreciate you joining us here on the Anchor platform. So today, Tim and I wanted to get together and talk about the COVID-19 pandemic and how it has really changed the face of the entertainment industry and the various markets within it. Quickly though, I do want to take a minute to point out that these are strictly our opinions for engaging you, the listener as there are still many facts related to this virus that are ongoing by the World Health Organization and the Center for Disease Control. But we feel like this is going to be a great discussion into what we have been hearing and seeing during these times, and certainly some of the preventative measures that may be put in place going forward. So Tim, let's go ahead and get started. Let's dive in. Well, first of all, I never thought that certainly in my lifetime, David, I would have experienced anything quite like this. Yeah, this virus has truly changed the world we live in and has created some real challenges and setbacks, not only for us as human beings, but for the various workforce sectors as well. Everything looks and feels so different now, and it it really feels like it came out of nowhere very aggressively, to where even to this day, things are still rapidly changing as we all try and get a handle on the situation. Well, I'm sure that uh, the listeners here have also experienced a lot of hardship. Uh, Speaking just for myself, uh, especially going into what would be considered a busy time of year, that being uh, certainly the spring, right on in, even into midsummer, uh, all the jobs that I certainly had lined up were all canceled. And at one point, there was discussion that uh, we were hoping optimistically that within 90 days, of course, this is earlier on when the COVID first started and everybody kind of panicked a little bit, that uh, at least by summer or maybe the fall, uh, these opportunities would come back. And unfortunately, and I think we all now know that that is no longer the case. We're optimistic, of course, that something will happen before the end of the year, but we're not really certain. Yeah, to your point, Tim, in a fairly recent article I was reading about the start of this pandemic, a lot of the live event business that was scheduled to happen either canceled or chose to postpone due to the rapid progression of this virus. I think it was well over 60% uh, ended up having to go this route. So definitely a lot of hardship and confusion came about. You know, For the clients, I can only imagine the process on determining which direction to go with the scheduled event. The time and energy uh, to back out confirmed items and make cancellations. But also for the live event technicians out there, a great deal of hardship as things quickly close up and income they maybe thought they were once going to have has now gone away and They maybe find themselves asking the question, how do I make sense of all this? When, like you said, Tim, we're supposed to be going into one of the busiest seasons of the year. So really, this has been a huge turning point um, for the industry. And what we are seeing now is this shift toward virtual events and how that might look. You know, a lot of events I've been a part of in the past have always had some sort of maybe streaming element to them to reach an audience outside of the in-person event. But that's really only been a small percentage compared to what we're probably going to see in the coming months and even years. Let's look at the opportunities here because you've you've really brought on some uh, uh, a key topic, virtual learning, Um, whether it now be in the classroom, uh, universities, especially even the the school districts here are doing a lot of virtual learning. Uh, And then, of course, those students are at home on computer. But I think looking at 
let's look at us as technicians um, and as a whole. And I believe that more and more businesses are going to have to go into the virtual realm of, let's say, sales, of conducting business, of getting their messages across. And I believe that these opportunities, in as much as we are in somewhat of a, a state, let's say, of lockdown, or at least a state of flux, is an absolute prime time to hone one's skills and look for opportunities, uh, such as you mentioned, David, with regard to how we might be able to get into these facilities, still working as technicians. Obviously, there would not be nearly the expansive crew that we're accustomed to working with, um, you know, with all electrics, audio rigging, staging, scenic, and all of that. But those opportunities are there. It just means that, that these environments are now going to have to along with its employees, which is us, are going to have to follow very strict guidelines to make sure that we are following, again, uh, the CDC and uh, social distancing and everything that we keep repeatedly hearing over and over again. So I believe you probably know a few people that, that have already reached out to you a little bit who are actually starting to get into this, um, this environment of virtual learning, right? Yeah, I have. A lot of my colleagues and technicians uh, that I've worked with over the years are turning toward this new environment. One production manager I know of has actually started doing some stage management and show calling for virtual corporate events. And I'm hoping that we might be able to get her on uh, one of these next episodes so she can share firsthand the experience she's encountering on the job site in this virtual space. But I think our listeners here would appreciate hearing some of these stories, um, you know, so they too can have an idea of maybe what to prepare for, and even as you mentioned, perhaps fine-tune or pick up some new skill sets as they look to, to pivot and try and be a part of this new norm. I, I think there's a certain level of seriousness here on top of all of this. You know, we, we have for so many years just gone about our way of knowing, let's say, um, systematically when we approach a particular job. We know exactly who the players are, the various disciplines, if you will. And I believe that through this exercise of really dealing with one another, working closely, is going to be first and foremost the forefront of, at the forefront of everything in terms of how we learn to most importantly respect one another. Uh, look for signals, actually, where you know people may or may not uh, be adhering to. Uh, the necessary guidelines to protect uh, myself, you, and each and every one of us. Um, you know, there are many professionals out there, but let's not forget, we also have a lot of new and up-and-coming people who I would have to think right now are very confused as to honestly whether or not they even want to get into this industry simply because they don't know uh, how and or when it's going to come back. And uh, many of them are fresh out of college, some out of high school, seeking opportunities for employment. So um, I think maybe what we might want to focus into a little bit here, I know that we've tossed around, David, some, some excellent ideas that I think um, certainly may seem repetitive, uh, but I do believe that maybe we could elaborate a little bit on what to expect upon returning to work uh, during this COVID-19. And I think truly, and don't, you know, this is not, uh, this is just my opinion here, but even if we were to get back to work, let's say 
going into the new year. And let's, let's hope and pray that that is, in fact, the case. Hard to say whether or not we really will have expired the COVID-19 problem. Uh, I think we all realize that there is still yet not a vaccine out there yet. Um, we're optimistic about it. And look, let's face it, this is not the first time that the world in general has not um, had to deal with a pandemic. You know, there have been many pandemics that have wiped out many people. Um, but again, here we are, we're in it. And, um, and I think moving forward here, uh, I think maybe we could perhaps maybe drill into some of that, David. Absolutely. I think an awareness on some of the precautions being put in place is definitely essential as our listeners start to return to work and begin actively doing things. So some of the preventative measures I've been seeing and reading about are, again, the continuation of social distancing and the wearing of face masks and or face coverings. I see this being the case for a while, so nothing really new here, along with hand sanitizer stations throughout, as well as maybe disinfectant wipes in various places for wipe-down opportunities. You know, we're also seeing a lot of plexiglass dividers around and floor decal notations uh, as to certain traffic patterns so that people are all traveling in the same direction and maintaining that proper social distancing. So these are just some of the everyday measures the listener is probably familiar with seeing by now uh, that will still probably be required in workplace. Uh, but a new one that I came across in an article uh, is this idea of inflatable walls and a quick solution to erect sectioned off areas in, let's say, a large space. Kind of an interesting concept, although I haven't seen these yet. I guess this may be a solution for, you know, a space to allow for separate areas. So that might be one to keep your eyes open for. And then thermal scanners. Uh, there's a lot of research and development being done in this area to provide scanners that all personnel for an event can use, uh, whereby it is able to take a temperature reading and kick that information back in a way that lets the appropriate people know if, if someone is maybe showing an early onset symptom to one's body trying to fight something off. I want to just make a comment here that, you know, with when the pandemic first came out, they really didn't know for sure um, how it was fully transmitted. And I believe that now it seems that they have really honed down to the fact that uh, when a person is speaking, uh, the small saliva molecules uh, basically are uh, expelled from one's mouth and they are inhaled, which is why you now have that six foot of distancing. Um, for the listener here, uh, I, I'm not so sure that uh, you, perhaps maybe you understood exactly why it's six feet. It makes common sense. But back in the day, the common virus was within three feet. That's how it is. You know, within three foot distance, you can get the common cold or the flu, as it were. Now at six feet, it seems that those small saliva molecules actually fall off. But going back to these walls and things and not having disinfectant, is something that I think for us going back to work, uh, if we're looking at working in a virtual environment theater where we have really no audience, bear in mind that you're still needing to touch product. You're still needing to handle things that other people potentially are handling. And, you know, whether wearing gloves or they're most, in most cases, you know, a glove is not as nimble as the bare hand. So, you know, the thing is, is that I, I really believe uh, the one thing that I keep with me at all times, and I have it even in my vehicles, and that is, you know, the hand sanitizer. Um, it is a proven effective uh, solution that does kill 99% of the germs if properly used, aside from washing your hands, of course, with soap and water. But, you know, I'm, I'm interested in these inflatable walls. I'd love to see them. 
But then again, uh, how are they inflated? What's the equipment that's used? Uh, much like moving, moving a, a hardened air wall, you know, that we're all familiar with and can say the convention environment. But if, if we could all just think about how many things we touch, road cases, cables, uh, I could go on and on, you know, staging, scenic elements, um, even uh, uh, lift equipment, you know, forklifts and scissor lifts and things of that nature, where so many people are in and out of these things constantly and touching. Um, and then again, you, you've got, you know, we're going to cough, we're going to sneeze because of potential dust, even with our mask on. Um, that's something that I think that we really, I'd like to emphasize that, David. I know we've talked about that, you know, where we're talking about certainly breathable masks. Um, we know that's very difficult. Uh, the ones that have the respirators in them do seem to help a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll drill a little bit further into, let's say, the various departments. Uh, but one thing that comes to mind, which we can talk about a little bit later here, is imagine if you're a rigger, whether you're, uh, you know, a high rigger or you're a ground rigger and you're having to work very closely together and, you know, you're, you're, you're holding and, and hauling a lot of equipment that's very heavy. So naturally, there's a great deal of perspiration there. Imagine if you were bench pressing 100 pounds, okay, repeatedly, and, you know, and now you've got to breathe in oxygen through a mask. No, I, I know. And to your point, Tim, there's constantly multiple touch points on a lot of this gear. And I think sometimes we take for granted how often we need to touch and handle items or that we may need assistance in lifting some of the heavier pieces of gear that we're dealing with. Sometimes that requires multiple people in a very close proximity to execute the task effectively. And so in these cases, I would say you're definitely under the minimum social distancing requirement of six feet. You know, one of the other things I hear various groups tossing around as well as we get back to work is safety for the crew and the clientele and creating an environment where presenters feel safe. So this might be moving toward separate pieces of AV gear when possible, albeit microphones, slide advancers, lectern computers, etc., but to your point earlier, Tim, there are a lot of equipment pieces that are the foundational backbone of the event, such as motors and PA systems and screens, so on and so forth, that can't necessarily have duplicates on hand. And so we're back to having to figure out the best way to work together collectively, um, but safely. Well, to that point then, uh, let's, let's elaborate, elaborate a little bit on the fact of sharing of tools. Yeah. Um, how many times we share tools and, and even... Not that we'd share cell phones, but sometimes that happens. Your partner's cell phone, oh, he's working, it's dead. Can I borrow your phone? You know, and there you go. You know, it's, it's, you're holding it. You got it up to your mouth. Um, and, then, and then, too, I think, uh, you know, limiting conversations uh, as much as you can, but only related to the job. You know, we all, some of these jobs are tough. And a lot of times while we're working, we're, we're talking about the gig. We're talking about the night before. We're talking about all kinds of things just to kind of make the day flow a little bit. But again, we, if we can limit our conversations a little bit uh, only to, you know, the calling out of what we're doing to make sure that we're all working safe. In other words, something's moving, heads up, whatever, take this, grab that, pull this, pull that. You know what I'm referring to when I say this. Um, but limiting conversations, again, if you figure you've got a crew, uh, even if you've got a crew of 12 guys, and you're all working on a stage and your ventilation, let's say, might be poor. And even if the ventilation's good and you've got circulation, you got all of this conversation happening. And again, if you're wearing masks, it's staying contained, depending on the fact if it's a good mask. If it's not, and this has been the subject of a lot of controversy, 
is whether or not, you know, the masks are really that functional. If they, you know, which masks should you be wearing so that let's say these molecules are not escaping out up through your eyes or down below your chin. Uh, and now you've got an atmosphere of all kinds of, of molecular, you know, uh, uh, from conversation and molecules from conversation rather. And now everybody's, you know, breathing this in. Right. And so I, I, I know we've discussed a little bit about, you know, trying to limit that. And I think that to the listener, I think that it, it's, it would require due diligence to do that, but I think it would help. Again, this is all about trying to work safe here. When we're all working and we're focused on what the objective is, and now we're also having to be dealing with, as I mentioned earlier, this face mask. And in as much as they're not blocking your vision, uh, although I will say certain masks, if you're having to wear glasses, uh, as you know, I wear reading glasses. So sometimes depending on uh, how much I am exhaling, uh, it'll fog my glasses right up. Absolutely. So that may seem, you know, maybe it, it's, it, it could be a little funny. They get a little frosted over. But at the same time, you know, again, depending on what your, your job function is, and if you're pushing, moving, pulling, dragging, lifting, and, you know, you've got people around you. When we didn't have to deal with this mask issue, we were focused. We knew what we were doing. Uh, we were using all of the senses. And now we've got this other obstacle on our face, which potentially just for a fraction of a second could take us away from not thinking uh, of where we're walking, what we're necessarily handling or what's moving, most importantly. OK, and the next thing you know, you got an accident. So I think that that, again, something that that I know that you and I've talked about um, explicitly uh, as we've thought about how we're going to go forward. Uh, I think to the listener here, the listener also has as an employee uh, has certainly every right to make sure that when they go to a particular job site, that they the equipment that they are handling that there is proper supervision to your point, David, you know, that there are key people who are assigned to making sure that not only is there safety in place uh, to protect everyone from this pandemic, okay, by how we're moving and touching and sanitizing and things like that, but at the same time, making sure that, that all of what is being handled is going at a different pace. We're going to have to slow down a little bit here in order to achieve our objectives. So, that in and of itself is going to be extremely challenging because we all know a lot of times we're in the 11th hour and we're behind the gun when we've got to make curtain or, you know, we've got a client coming in and they've got sound check or whatever the case may be. And now I believe that we're going to have to factor in and I'm, refer I'm referring to the virtual reality side here. You know, if we're talking uh, a time where, well, if we're satellite time, for example, you know, that that's, that's costly, you know, it's even costly, you know, if we're doing, a certain uh, video conferencing and things like that in a large scale. So if, if the client, I don't want to jump ahead here, but it gets me to thinking a little bit more here about how important it is to make sure that there's enough time built in now, okay, to accomplish the objective. So because we're going to be somewhat at a handicap because we're dealing with these facial masks, our breathing's going to be limited a little bit uh, and so on and so forth. Absolutely. You said it right there. Proper time allocation for every stage of an event could not be more crucial. Uh, we really need to be making sure everyone is on the same page 
partnership and communication obviously is is definitely going to be key going forward. And now more than ever, I feel as though we need to drive this message home. Well, let's let's create a, a scenario here. Let's say hypothetically that um, you have a contact who reaches out to you and says, hey, um, I am strongly engaged in a virtual seminar and I am looking for some team members here to be a part of this in all the various disciplines uh, to do this. And we obviously know what that's all going to be, audio, video, et cetera. Um, I think that the employee, in this case, if you were reaching out to me and or you were assembling your team, uh, the first thing that I would, I would ask for, and again, this falls back on what you're saying, David, is, um, okay, so we're obviously not going to meet at the venue necessarily, or we could, but how about that we all, now that we are dealing more and relying more on video conferencing, Let's set up a time to video conference. Let's get our questions out. So it's no more, it's no more, at least right now, a scenario of a boardroom meeting. It is now a Zoom type or Skype type of meeting where we are able to field our questions and, and get the client, in this case, thinking about the things that, first of all, are going to make the event successful. Or I should say when I say event, I'm obviously referring to the, this video um, uh, whatever this webcast is that they're doing. And those questions would also involve or need to involve what we just addressed about how are you going to protect me? How are you going to protect me? Yes. And, and I think that, again, that, that is the case. I, I think for every one of us who are listening here, uh, we know someone, okay, a personal person, who by now I'm sure has come down and contracted COVID-19. And uh, I would hope that they have managed to make it through it. Um, but we also know that there are certain cases that have not. And so I think that it's, it's, uh, it's two-sided here. We want the work, but at the same time, we want to make sure we're protected. And we want to make sure that our coworkers, the people that we're working alongside with, that we've actually mentored with and we have you know, been alongside with for years that they are also protected. So I think we have a responsibility here as we move forward to make sure that we are all protected while achieving the objective of what the client wants. Yes, I couldn't agree more. There's definitely a heightened level of safety required and the discussions that go along with it uh, that we're going to be seeing and hearing a lot more of to make sure that all parties involved on an event uh, to your point, Tim, feel safe from start to finish. And so I truly think that more time is going to be needed now to drill into all the pros and cons of certain situations. So it, it's imperative to have all corresponding vendors involved from the beginning. As the saying goes, there's no such thing as a stupid question, and that's true. If we're thinking it, we need to be able to ask it so that everyone's voice is heard and collectively as the group executing the job, we have an aligned vision on where we're going and how we're going to get there safely. So to try and summarize and wrap things up here, I would say to the listeners out there, try and stay as positive as you can. And I know right now there's still a lot of uncertainty and a lot of things still feel like they're in a state of flux. And while it is true to some degree, I think if we all can perhaps utilize this time to maybe sharpen some skill sets in the tool bag, as we've been saying, or even pick up some new ones. Uh, that might help in some of the needs and requirements going forward. Tim, your thoughts? There's a wealth of information out there. Uh, and this is a very, 
uh, critical time to really hone skills. And every single distributor that um, for every product that we, we actually work with daily uh, have all come up with now ideas and solutions to um, learn more about their product, but also what they're doing. Uh, LDI is a class example. I just got something the other day about how LDI is, what they're looking at doing for, um, you know, their product sales, you know, doing some virtual things there. Uh, if we look at Chauvet, if we look at uh, uh, Unison, there's a number of companies that are all out there. Tim, any final words to our listeners? I would encourage uh, everyone who's listening here, for those of you who perhaps are not members of either ESTA or USITT, uh, those are two really great organizations that are offering uh, a tremendous amount of information uh, with regards to COVID and social distancing. And then they're also segueing into uh, the virtual learning and whatnot. Everything that, that David and I are talking about, um, uh, this would something, I, I, I think uh, it's a small cost, but they send you a quarterly magazine, which has got some great articles, which covers all the disciplines within theater and everything that we do outside of theater uh, that are, you know, industrial shows and whatnot, conventions, special events, arena shows and whatnot. And uh, this would be something that, that I would strongly encourage everybody to get involved with. And I think uh, moving forward here, uh, David and I can, uh, we'll be back with another podcast here. And I think uh, depending on uh, some feedback that we get from everybody, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we can talk more about maybe even going into breaks and mealtime and uh, even what to expect during the end of workday. And uh, certainly, you know, maybe even transportation, ride share, uh, we'll, we'll see what comes back, but we're working on it and, uh, we're going to continue to keep this thing moving, whatever we can do to help you. And you can help us. We're all part in, we're all part of this and certainly in this together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again for joining us. We welcome your comments and invite you to our website, sagetechlv.com. That's sagetechlv.com. So please stop by when you have the chance and until next time.